You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Where like there was an endangered turtle that needed a, an immediate habitat change, and that nobody could get this endangered turtle to where it needed to go. So Bruce Dickinson was like, "I got a day off. I will go take this turtle to wherever it needs to go in South Africa or whatever the hell the fuck he took it." And he Richard, literally. How much do you appreciate the accent? Uh, is it bad? How bad is it? I, I thought that was absolutely a hundred percent exactly like Bruce Dickinson. <laughs> right. See, I don't in know no the facetiousness in the police in any way. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, I want Richard to start doing Benny impressions. Oh my God! <laughs> oh my God. There's British not enough people. coffee in the world that can make me imitate Benny. Hello and welcome to another episode of 2020. My name is Corey Pezo here, as always, with Benny Goodman and Siobhan Cronin. How are you guys? Benny's doing? otherwise occupied with his device. Hello. For an- for anyone yes. wa- not he's, watching the video. Yeah, he's calming down now because he's, he's taking the edge off the coffee that he consumed in Weed this episode. Weed and speed it, bro. That's how you do it. Weed and speed. <laughs> we are, we're super pumped uh, for this episode. We have our good friend Richard Shaw back with us of Cradle of Filth fame. He also contributed to Lost Symphony on some of the some of the greatest uh, tracks <laughs> our we British, have here. Our British ambassador, our original British. British ambassador, and he was a little bit... I don't want to say he was upset, but I feel like I, could, I, I feel like he was taken aback by the fact that he felt maybe usurped by Steve Wood. But we've now opened a British embassy on behalf of <laughs> yes. 2020 that Steve Wood is obviously our leader, but that there's a whole embassy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so articulate as always. Yeah, whatever that means. But yeah, obviously, anytime we talk to Richard, we just have a blast. It, it's great having him back more and more because we can kind of dive... A little deeper than just the superficial, like, hey, how you doing, you know? Yeah, so we, we got to find to ta- out why he loves Dave Matthews Band. Yeah, yes. we get to talk about more ideas. You know, go back and check out the older episodes with Richard to get to know him a bit. But yeah, we really got to talk more about some ideas and opinions. And yeah, dive deeper. Just get some being more. Being a father. Yeah, yeah, being a father. Yeah, so it's a good time. We won't spoil anything. Go check Adulting it out. Nothing hard. Make sure you subscribe. 2020-D.com. All those fun things you can do. Lost70.com. We got a new record coming out with Richard Shaw, may I add, for our friend Ollie Herbert, July 9th. And if it's past July 9th, that means you can buy it now. Yes. And if it's not July 9th yet, you can still pre-order it now. Lost70.com. So, before Ben gets carried away, part one with Richard Shaw. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Benny Goodman, as you probably surmised by now. Actually, you wouldn't surmise because it may, maybe you surmised. I don't know. I'm surmising with my eyes. But I'm here with my, my cohorts, as always, as always, Siobhan Cronin and Corey Peza. How are you guys? 
Drinking Almost, coffee for yeah. once because Almost, we have a guest today yeah. that's on a different time zone. <laughs> I got I got my pint glass of coffee. And let me just tell you, my ninja, which is a coffee maker here in the United States, Richard, um, foams, the foamy foam so deliciously and the way that it goes through the coffee. Like I haven't been a coffee drinker for that long, but I've realized that good coffee with the proper good foam is the key to, to life. As an experienced coffee drinker, I cannot recommend enough the wonderful Lost Symphony mugs <laughs> available at lostsymphony.com. They're giant mugs, so you can fit a lot of coffee and a lot of caffeine. That's chapter one, actually, the, yeah. the album that blew our minds, that introduced us to our new guest, or by old guest. <laughs> well, not that old. He's not that old, but he's been here many times. I don't even guest. know how to say it. A returning guest. On that a recurring guest. His name is Richard Shaw. And he's our British ambassador. If you haven't heard him speak, go to the last four episodes with him because they're pleasant. <laughs> well, thank it you is. very much. I thought you had a new UK ambassador in Steve Wood. I thought I was demoted. No, <laughs> we've actually LA created now, so an that's... embassy. And in fact, <laughs> oh. you should be happy because you've been knighted into Steve Wood's life. And Steve Wood, is some, he's a spirit animal that we all would like to have a leash on. He'll I, drag you, but I, you know. I kind of kind of want to be him a little bit. Like I, I was watching the episode with him, and I was just like, "He has for life." I think we all want. Can I tell He's you? He's done I think, it all. Corey and Siobhan, you can speak to this, and we're we're going to make fun of Steve on this show because uh -oh. Steve, <laughs> where he's rooted in the that. old wor world, I, I'm, I'm going to say it. He's so prim and proper and polite. But like it's, I, we watched Goodfellas. So I went to to Las Vegas and hung out with Paul Geary, his partner, um, uh, at at Shelter Music. And Paul is an industry legend, total awesome dude. And we were just getting off the plane, Sindel and I, and by Sindel, Cindy Pinto, uh, my my uh, uh, my fiance. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, we got off the plane, and Steve, we were just pulling into Paul's driveway, and Steve Wood called, and he's like, uh, you know, what are you doing, Paul? And Paul's, of course, like, oh, well, I just picked up Benny and, and Cindy from the airport. He goes, well, uh, well now that I got you for a moment, uh, you know, we, we changed the venue to the Chateau d'Ikem in, in Paris. And it's, it's, it's a really acceptable venue. And he just goes on for this huge amount of time. And it's so polite. <laughs> and it, it's such pertinent firsthand information. But it's just like... Was it necessary at that moment? And then we watched Goodfellas. And I, 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 there's this guy in that movie that never uses the phone, that talks to another guy. And if you want to talk to him, you have to talk to his guy, who then calls that guy, who then talks to him. And I'm like, that's why Steve Wood has 7,800 emails. I know you love Mark Tremonti. I've talked to Mark Tremonti on the phone, and we still had it for two weeks afterwards, booked him on the show. Not because Mark's unagreeable. But because Steve Wood is the most polite, like, let's send a message to kiss the ring. Okay, well, now we need to go make that guy. Well, now we need to go meet in the parking lot. Well, let's have a Zoom call about it. Did he like it? Did they have a sit down? They had a sit down. Well, it turns out that they changed this and that that sit down was nullified. Yeah. Like, what? Every conversation's an adventure is kind of it how certainly it boils is. down to. <laughs> I love you, Steve Wood. You're literally my favorite person in the world. And if you think I'm making fun of you, I'm not. I just love that you can live in this world and that that is your world. And everyone else has to adhere to it. God bless you, Steve yes. Wood. But Richard, so you're still our original. 
Absolutely. B-O-G, so for anyone that you. wants yes. to hear about Steve Wood, yeah. they can definitely go listen to that episode. We had two episodes with him. But yeah, Richard, welcome back. It's so nice to have you again. And tell us what has happened since our last episode with you. <laughs> That's a big question, right? <laughs> that is a big in. question because last time I was on, obviously, we were the, the throngs of the pandemic just really rearing its ugly head. And now everyone's like a year later, kind of, I don't want to say used to life with it, but I've kind of gotten used to life with it. And it's I've adapted. And in that time, I've moved three and a half hours away from where I used to live. Uh, is that still in the middle of nowhere? Still in the middle of nowhere. And how far away is it from Stonehenge? That's a very good question. I actually don't know how far away from Stonehenge. <laughs> I Shame actually am now. Only about an hour or so from Stonehenge. Wait a minute. You live within an hour of Stonehenge and you actually don't know the answer to that? I, I thought you were going to be like, it's 2,000 miles, Betty. It's past the peninsula near the person <laughs> that has no it, teeth. It, it, it's something <laughs> like that because I don't really think about it. I just remember how close I used to live to Donington. I used to live 20 minutes away from Donington, and now I live like three and a half hours away from Donington. If you're 20 minutes away from Donington when Iron Maiden goes and plays, can you still hear people screaming for Bruce? Pretty much. Okay. When, when he says, scream for me, Donington, I'm there in my back garden, like, going, yeah! <laughs> you know? And that's pretty much how it works. If I'm not actually at Donington watching Iron Maiden, you know? I feel like that would be sacrilege. That would be like not going to midnight mass on Christmas. You know, like just yeah. don't do that. Like you have to like love what you do. And like for me, it's the church, church of Bruce Dickinson. And then one, once he saved that endangered turtle on his day off on a 757 or 747 Boeing, whatever that he, he flies. Did you hear about that? Where like there was an endangered turtle that needed a, an immediate habitat change and that nobody could get this endangered turtle to where it needed to go. So Bruce Dickinson was like, I got a day off. I will go take this turtle to wherever it needs to go in South Africa or whatever the hell the fuck he took it. And he Richard, literally- how much do you appreciate the accent? Uh, is it bad? How bad is it? I, I thought that was absolutely a hundred percent exactly like Bruce Dickinson. <laughs> right. See, I don't in know no the facetiousness and the polite in any way. You know? <laughs> I I want Richard to start doing Benny impressions. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, there's not British enough people. coffee in the world that can make me but imitate British Benny. people do great Americans. That's the dif- the difference. Um, American oh, people I, think I, they're doing like a British person, but they're just imitating uh, you know Johnny Depp doing Captain Jack Sparrow. You know what I mean? Which much. is just Keith Richards. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's very different than those people. Those people. I'm already offending everybody. Speak. Yeah. <laughs> you know. It's always more jarring to me when a British person does an American accent than when an American person does a British accent. And I don't know why. I just oh, I expect agree. that all British people, it's just like they, they will not leave the boundaries of the British accent. I don't it, know why. It's pretty crazy because there's a lot of um, UK based actors and actresses where I didn't know they from the UK for the longest time. Yeah. And they have a massive career in the, in the States and they're like, oh, yeah, they're actually from like where I used to live. And I'm like, yeah. What? Or, or you <laughs> okay. find out, like, okay. how, how long was it in your life before you found out Russell Crowe was from Australia? Pretty quickly, within the first couple of minutes of the first film I saw. See, yeah, you know better, because I can't tell. <laughs> My ear is fucking horrifying. <laughs> well, you know, we all have our talents, Benny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just kind of getting back to Siobhan's original 
original question there. So what you've been up to, uh, obviously it's like, it feels like the last year has been like 10 years in, in terms of yeah. like the evolution of everything that's going on. But also you, uh, you added a new member to the clan. So all right, we, can we give you official congratulations for that on the show? Thank you very Woo! much. Thank you. Yeah. It's crazy. Cause last time I was talking to you, like we were expecting him mm -hmm. and it, we were maybe a few months off from his birth. And now in a couple of weeks, he's going to be nine months old. Wow. So it's, That's crazy. it's crazy seeing every day he becomes more and more of a, a little dude. You know what I mean? It's, it's really I thought cool. you were going to say, yeah, in just a couple of weeks, he's going to be turning 10. You know, it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how long it's felt. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I, I, I got to tell you, I, I've been watching uh, all the pictures and it's, it's amazing. Uh, I, I, my watching fiance, pictures, watching pictures, <laughs> moving pictures like Rush, don't you know? Um, I've been seeing pictures um, and uh, how cute your lovely son is. Like, oh, my God. And then you could see a little you and a yeah. little the missus. And then you're like putting all cute, cute, like slip knot things and on. And I'm like, he's the best dad ever. And like, meanwhile, oh. I have a, uh, a 16 year old, but when I met her, um, you know, she was like 14 or something and she's gone from like a pupa to like a full blown, but like butterfly. And I'm just like, when I met you, you were bare, you were like licking light outlets and things. And now you're like forming philosophical introspective thought. And it's really weird. And I just see the pictures on your Facebook and I'm like, do you feel like you're you're watering the plant and it's just growing to be all that you hoped it would be under the wonderful light. Well, I'm going to take all the credit. I'm going to take the majority of the credit. No, I joke. Uh, no, obviously my, my girlfriend is absolutely brilliant. She's like the best mom in the world. And I just love being Rory's dad. It's like the best job ever. Aww. It's it's easy when you've got a little dude like him. What he's, a British name, chilled. Rory. We got Rory, Rory yeah. going going yeah, to the Rory. market. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually an Irish name, yeah, Rory, because Sharice Sharice has a family from Ireland, and we always wanted to keep like an Irish name. Whether we had a boy or a girl, we wanted yeah. to keep it with an Irish. First well, name. We've already established that Ben thinks anything that's on the other side of the ocean is British. Wait, so. <laughs> Don't, let's yeah. take Ben out and just put most Americans. Because we're Americans. <laughs> we're not Americans. Valid. Very valid. <laughs> Go to South Carolina, dude. It's smell the air. <laughs> Anyways. Also, um, one cool thing we've seen since you've been on is Cradle of Filth has done a live stream which mm -hmm. I think it, there was some some delays getting that on because I think right after we aired our first or second pair of episodes with you that was supposed to happen I got pushed back a little further but uh, can you tell us about that that seemed like the first little burst of normality in, in terms of the Cradle of Filth family yeah that was a pretty crazy time because I think it was originally booked in October of 2020 then it got moved to I think it was going to be December and that couldn't happen. And then it was February <laughs> and then it finally oh happened gosh. in so wait, May. COVID fucked up virtual tours as well. Yeah, like a, <laughs> what the fuck yeah. did this thing not fuck up? And like, oh, the computer doesn't want to be around the other computer that was exposed to COVID. Well, well, it's, it's weird because obviously in Cradle, for those who don't know, we have two members of a band from the Czech Republic. So 
instantly it was like right okay we think we can schedule it in cool it's gonna happen it's gonna happen no the restrictions in the uk is like, it like the k1 visa on 90 day fiance do you have to like file something and then you're like i really love her she's in my band well it's probably an issue of the borders being closed to people outside the uk right like coming in to do it yeah exactly yeah. so the, the rest of the band are from the uk but even within the uk we were like not meant to leave our house ever other than to do like the groceries for example so that's kind of what was happening in october so that was like even uh, our bass player from scotland couldn't travel down i i only live a couple of hours away from danny i couldn't even technically go to him so it's just <laughs> it was so tight and then by the time may rolled around we could finally get the uh the checkmates into the country. We call them the checkmates. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Uh, the, um, so we could finally get them into the country. So it was like, right, we have a week. Let's do the live Wait, stream. If you Let's... throw them out of a bar, does that make them a bounce check? <laughs> I'll be here all week. Try the meatloaf. <laughs> this is what happens when you drink coffee. This is coffee. This is, this is Benny in the morning. <laughs> That would be the worst, more, worst morning drive radio show ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's Benny in the morning. Oh, God, no. Stop. Please stop. Except for the people that want to go to the gym and wake up and they're like, oh, I just turned that guy on just because he's so horrifying that I, I, I can't yeah. get not get through my leg day. I'm so mad. If anything, let's not turn you on. I dread to think what would happen then. You know, Cindy, my fiance is not even here, but she's like, please don't do that. <laughs> but anyway yeah <laughs> but uh, so that's what happened with with live stream while we had like a week together it was like right let's do the live stream let's film a couple of music videos let's finally do the photo shoot for the album because the album artwork did you take the pictures this time, time. Did, did you take the pictures or now that there's new members did they take the pictures of all of you guys <laughs> um we, we had a, a a very nice photographer person um who came in and just obviously did did the thing and and that was it and obviously we got a new member so it's not like we can even use old photos well let right. me ask you this you got a new member but she's a she's a, a woman and she's very pretty do you think anyone will ever confuse whether she's in the band or not and if so or if not, does that is that like a veiled you? insult? I'm a little confused. Well, no, because last time, <laughs> Richard, no one realized he was in the band despite being one of the greatest guitar players in the fucking world. Because well, Richard just could be anyone. But now they have a beautiful woman playing in the band, and I'm saying that no one will ever confuse whether she's in the band Cradle of Filth or not. Not only because 98 percent of their crowd's probably male. But secondly, like she looks like she should be in the band. So my question, and, and Richard joked around on one of our shows that he took a lot of the pictures of people and they're like, why weren't you in the pictures? Because he was taking the pictures because no one realized he was yeah. in the band. And my so question is- So refer to the earlier the episodes, yeah, yeah, with Richard. Oh, so when, so yeah, to back throw to that. that clip. Oh my God. Yeah, so yeah that's back. why I was so, confused. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so my question is, do you think that anyone will ever confuse her at the meet and greet as being someone that should take the picture versus be in the picture? Nah, she's got a very identifiable look with, with the hair and everything like that. And it's, to be fair, it's always been the same with um, female members of Cradle of Filth. It's like they instantly get elevated to just as recognizable as Danny. It's kind of how, how it happens. Interesting. It's, it's, yeah. it's always been the same for as long as Cradle's had a female member, which is pretty much forever. <laughs> There's always do they been have a, a, do they have a diva off? Like, does Danny ever get upset that, like, they want to put, you know, 
uh, the the girls on the cover instead of him, or he's behind the girls. I'll be honest with you, I don't think that's ever happened. It's like Danny is the face of Cradle of Filth. He's it's it's his thing, and that's I think everybody in the band, especially who we have now, is very very appreciative of the fact that that's how it works. It's like we we come into this band knowing it's Danny's band. Yes, we write the songs with him we do the shows with him but he is the recognizable member of cradle of filth and if anybody kind of thinks differently this it's kind of silly he, he's the guy who's been doing it from day one he's been on the front cover of all the magazines and been on all the tv shows and all that kind of stuff it's kind of crazy to think that they would think any different really so that's how it works yeah. in our band anyway and we're all happy with that because we're all very antisocial. Well, you're also not American. <laughs> so like, therefore you probably get along and have like tea at high noon. And you know, you're like, Oh, we played, we played solitaire solitarily on our own buses today. And it was wonderful. Pretty much. Yeah. I just wanted to say solitaire. Yeah. Solitarily. In that exact accent again. Was that yeah. Bruce Dickinson again? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that's just, that's, just, you know what? I feel like that's Moira from um, that show Shit's Creek where she just kind of makes up her own accent because she just has like alien accent syndrome or whatever, where it's just kind of like, it's not anything. It's just, that sounds like fucking a great crazy. band. Alien yeah. accent syndrome. That's a great band. You're welcome. Yeah. You can use it. Yeah. <laughs> No, but that's to go back to what you're saying, though, that's an interesting conversation because there, you know, now there are a lot of bands where it's kind of like the hired gun mentality, you know, like even, for example, Star Set, right? Like I, I perform the tours, but I'm not really involved on any of the writing stuff. And so I'm always interested to hear people's perspectives on how they feel about their level of involvement in the band. So it's I, it's great that you get to write and everything, but it there is a difference between serving as the front man and then being a band person. Like, I love being a band person. You know, I also like being creative, but I love being in a supporting role in a lot of ways. It's a totally different thing to be like the face. Exactly. Exactly. I, I feel like musicians can wear like those different hats where I like in Cradle of Filth because, yes, I do get to be a songwriter. I do get to be a performer, but I don't need to deal with the day to day running of the business kind of stuff. I don't have to. Well, that's like the best of both worlds stuff. Yeah, exactly. Because you, get to uphold, cause you get to be like the, the push up bra, but also a little bit of the boob. You know, you're like the underboob. You know that's, what I mean? Whereas, like, whereas Siobhan... Strangely enough, that's exactly what I was going to say. But we'll never know exactly what you're going to we'll say. Never, Ben's, no, Ben's going to talk over the end of every one of your statements. But Siobhan, and on the other hand, is kind of just like, you know, the underwire. You know what I mean? Like, she's, like, on the pictures and all that, and she plays it live, but she's not on the record. She doesn't add the creative. She's 100% supportive. Um, you know what I mean? Whereas if it's your own band, you know what I mean? Like, Danny, I can't even imagine the amount of craziness that dude has to go through just to keep that going which is yeah. uh, amazing that he has that notoriety but he's earned it by i'm sure working his ass off every day of his life since the exactly. dawn time that guy does not take a day off from cradle of filth it's it's his life it's his baby and it has been since like whenever they were formed like 1991 i think it is 30 years wow. of cradle of filth this year i think wow. like 90, 94 was when the first album came out but i think they formed in 91. I so you know your that. band's old if freddie mercury was alive when <laughs> your band started pretty much i was six when cradle started so and i like to remind danny of that on a daily basis <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine. You call him Uncle and Danny. Now, Uncle Danny. Yeah, Uncle Danny. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And our new keyboard player just turned twenty-seven, so it's one of those things. Which she's praying she's not going to be joining the club anytime soon. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we like to remind Danny about you, your keyboard player was actually like not even alive. I think the first album came out and she still wasn't born. Not quite born when the first <laughs> album quite. came out. <laughs> well, that just means it's current. You guys are still current. You have tw- you have twenty seven year olds that are like, I'll still be in a band with those old guys. Well, that's what was always funny about playing with Trans Siberian orchestras. You've got these guys that are like the OG, the sabotage, like metal guitarists, and then they'll have a vocalist that like just turned seventeen that got like picked off YouTube. And I'm like, yeah. they were like not even conceptualized as a human at that point. Yeah. That's a weird. That's a weird thing, though, to think that like you have a guy like Al Petrelli walking, you know, smelling like New York City and cigarettes, and he's like, and like you know, you have Jeff Scott Soto, and then there's like a bunch of seventeen-year-old girls who've been singing Glee, and they're the ones low on the food chain. Like, where does that happen? Where like metal is triumphant, and then it's like, oh, you YouTubers, go over there and just sing perfect fists. Yeah, that only works if the metal guys create the scenario. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jesus in metal. That's what it is, man. Santa well, Claus really metal. Is. It's love like it. Broadway metal, though. You know, I mean, it's, oh, it's, I it's love a fusion. It though, but it's the smartest thing ever. Like, take Tchaikovsky and Christmas and release it then and then have a number one single and then forever parlay that into a career. And God bless them, dude. I honestly think that that is the smartest. Because do you, you see all these bands for years that are trying to play with lasers and lights and flame and like people go just because of the lasers and lights and flames and there's like five shows a day. They're like a Vegas act. And they're just like, oh, you want us to make money? We'll make money five times more than Ed Sheeran will have a fucking show in a day. It's true. No, it's interesting. I mean, touring in the show is like such it's a true. big part. Yeah, I like my yeah. reaction. It's true. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly what Benny said. No, the, 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 tour, the touring side of it, yeah, the shows are what I think really bring in everything, which is amazing. I feel like in a lot of cases, it's the opposite. You make more, well, I don't want to say you make more money from listens and streams, but I think touring is usually more expensive for other bands. It's more of a cost. But Definitely. Definitely. It's a big yeah. production. So it's a very that, cool, very big production that like, I think any musician who likes that kind of thing would chomp at the bit to have a go on. You know, do you think, <laughs> like, do you think Gene stage, Simmons? So cool. Do you think Gene Simmons goes to the shows and goes, first off, I'm Jewish. I don't get this. And then secondly, <laughs> um, goes, they ripped this all off from me. Possibly. <laughs> very likely. Um, but Richard Cradle has another uh event coming up isn't that right did i see something about that yeah we've got a couple of festivals lined up in august yeah. now that the uk is starting to open up a little bit more so we're doing bloodstock in the uk mm, uh we're doing alcatraz in belgium the day before so and that's technically going to be our first planned show hell yeah bro. Uh, so we finally got a show i mean well two shows happening in august we're planning another live stream i believe around the same time where we're going to play an album in its entirety uh, plus extra songs, that have, some of which have never been pl- performed live ever, and some of them have just been not played for a very, very long time. So there's a lot of things being planned in Cradle of Filth Land. Like, obviously, the new album in existence is futile, just keeps getting pushed back because of COVID, but there's talk of it being released um, towards the end of this year. This is the same one that was recorded, like... Months and months and months ago, right? I I went into the studio in March 2020 to record (laughs) guitars 
and uh, that album still hasn't been released. Well, you know what's interesting though? Wow. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Has he added a flugelhorn yet? <laughs> um, but listen, the thing that's very interesting is that now that America's been opening up, now you have this flood of albums. You've, uh, I just came from Vegas, and all of a sudden you just see this flood of, like, everyone's coming now. They're all coming. So I got to tell you, man, it, from the perspective of a musician on this side of the pond, like, a lot of good things are going to come for you because even though... Um, right now, it's like it's just opening up. Once the floodgates get opened up, you're you're gonna be so busy, and oh, I can't wait yeah. for you to come over here and get to hang out with us finally. Because yeah. this we, is gonna be a great time, man. Because we because we want to come chill with you. Yeah, it would be awesome. It's awesome. We could go record store shopping again. And uh, Dave Matthews yeah. under Dave the Matthews table and, and dreaming. Yeah, and Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Well, I got to tell you, check Beauty out Richard's the earlier really episodes. sold me on you. So so everyone knows when I first met Richard, he was playing uh, the Paradise in Boston and there was an old school record shop right underneath. And he was like, is there anything cool around here to do? And I'm like, yeah, want to go record hunting? So we went down and they had a bunch of like tape decks and, you know, old uh, vinyl. It's, it's a really cool shop, um, you know, right in Boston. And he's like looking through CDs and records. He leaves with... Beauty and the Beast soundtrack, the Disney Beauty and the Beast soundtrack, and Dave Matthews' uh, first record. And I was just like, okay, cradle filth guy, way to show me uh, that you have um, taste in other realms beyond this death metal shit. Is it even death metal? What do you even call that music? Is it like emo metal? Is it like I worship Satan? I don't even know what you call it. Like, I hate genres, but Cradle of Filth is its own thing. I, I just call it metal. It's just metal? It's just metal, because Cradle is one of those strange bands where it's like a mixture of pretty much every style of metal mm-hmm. you can think of thrown into one. So I just yeah. think it's metal. And even Danny has been quoted saying that like this. It's like, who cares what genre you want to put it in? Do you like it or not? That's all that matters. So I think the closest we can call it is just, just call it metal. You know, let's, let's not split heads. We have it on like Cradle for forums where people will still to this day argue over the style <laughs> of music Cradle is. And I'm just there thinking, I'm sure there's other things you can be doing with your life, you know, but just <laughs> like most like, internet forums, like listening agree. to the music instead of just arguing over what kind <laughs> of music it is. But I, I'm just a big fan of, you know, you listen to music that excites you. Don't put a label on it. It's, cheesy as that sounds it's well, like what, that's music, what music excites you is, is, what about the beauty and the beast soundtrack and dave matthews ants marching excites you oh ants marching is just so cool though well <laughs> i love that song i'm just i'm asking you so what about explain to me as a plebeian why you would pick out that record i that's a very good question it's just I don't, I don't know that reminds me of a time when i was first studying at music school uh, and the, my housemate was a huge Dave Matthews band fan. That's why I never owned the records before, because we listened to them to death. I was going to ask you like, why you didn't already have it. <laughs> yeah, that, that, and that's why. And Dave Matthews band were kind of known with like a, a little bit in the UK, but never really toured over here and never really had any chart success, but never on the radio. It's that kind of thing where, where if people were into them, were really into them. And my friend was really into them, and he'd have like the DVDs and... and all the songs off that album just were, were super cool. I don't, I don't know what it was. So it was more of a nostalgia thing, I think. Who's your that favorite album. player in Dave Matthews, man? <laughs> there is a right answer. <laughs> well, then Carter Beaufort? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, dude. <laughs> Carter Beaufort is the fucking best part of that band. I don't even care that Tim Reynolds <clears throat> joined the band finally after like Dave Matthews and Tim Reynolds for like 37 years. Like, dude, you guys play together. It's like saying you're not married. You're married. You're, you're fucking together. You're in a relationship. Um, but I, I actually called Carter Beaufort, Carter Buford to his face. It was very embarrassing. Uh. Um, I was in the <laughs> airport terminal uh, in Paul Walkie Airport, like just outside Chicago. Yeah. And I was flying on a private jet, which is very weird because I don't know why I deserve that. But Michael Jordan got off that jet. And I was like, hi, Michael Jordan. And that was very strange because you have this little back place where like nobody is except like the people going on the jet. And then all yeah. of a sudden this kid, I'm with my friend Devin and this kid comes up to me and starts playing with my hair. I had long, long spiky hair at the time. And her mom had a video camera and she came around. She's like, I hope you don't mind. I'm like, no. And I'm just letting this kid play with my hair. It was hilarious and really cute. Where is and this story going? Then all of a sudden, Where are this we? guy comes around and it's <laughs> Carter Beaufort. And I, I, he starts talking to me. And after like five minutes of talking, I'm like, hey, man, I don't mean to be weird, but are you Carter Buford from the Dave Matthews band? And he goes, nah. I'm like, oh, man, you really look like him. He goes, no, I'm Carter Beaufort the Dave Matthews man <laughs> and I was just horrified and then he just like looked at me all serious and then he just broke I, out laughing I refuse to believe that you were embarrassed I, I was dude <laughs> I, I was mortified I don't think you have the capacity you don't have the capacity dude first <laughs> off this was like 15 years ago so like I, I definitely did not have the level of no fucks given then I was horrified <laughs> and I had like <laughs> dreams where I woke up in a, in a turtly sweat just going oh my god I could have just said Carter. Yeah. Going going back to something you said, Richard, about about Dave Matthews band being like extremely well known, but not on the radio. And it, it like almost that like cult following level. Mm. It's crazy to think of I almost I almost envision bands in those two tiers. There's like the bands that like are up here that everyone knows of, but they don't seem to like no one's like really going deep in their catalog. It's just like they're insanely well known, yeah. but not like deeply known. And then there's those artists who are like, how did everyone find out about these people? And those are the ones that have that are around for 30, 40 years, never really getting to that level. Like how how do you think like what makes the difference between those two types of acts, in your opinion? <sighs> That's a really good question because yeah. my my instant thing is to go. I don't know if I'm qualified to answer this, but there's, there's as a, a music fan, yeah. as, as a music fan, I I mean, with, the, the, an obvious thing for me is marketing because mm -hmm. uh, certain bands can be marketed a certain way that actually hurts their reputation, mm -hmm. um, and I know that that's probably happened to Cradle in the past, where yes, they became a bigger band, but a lot of the loyal fans kind of left and. And that's it. And and then you. Kind Do you of think that them. was because you didn't go as goth rock when you should have gone total church metal rock? And when people were asking you to do the emo no, rock I think thing. I think well, I think we want to we want to hear what he has to yeah. say. <laughs> no, I, I I don't really know what it was because obviously I wasn't in the band at that point, but I was observing the band because my brother was a diehard fan. I was kind of a casual fan, and you could see kind of a rise, fall, rise again, rise, fall again of Cradle in it. And I, so I put kind of put Cradle in, in that set where it's like they were almost one of those cool bands where if you're into them and you get it, you get it for life. Mm -hmm. And you know, and I think there's a lot of bands like that where it's like it doesn't matter how bad an album is, 
it's just an album that 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 fans with you for life. Metallica. It doesn't matter. They, they, yeah, yeah. The Metallica. Me being the Metallica fanboy that I am, I'm that, that fanboy who loves everything they've done because at least they've taken risks. Slipknot. And you don't know what they're going to get. Exactly. I, I, Could you even I, follow I, Corey I, Taylor down those fucking stupid uh, solo albums? Are you like loving those? You- I, I see. I see. I really like the the solo album. I, I do like it. It's, it. Obviously, it's very different, but I like it because it's different and because it almost is like a, I'm going to do this whether you like it or not kind of actually. I think I like it for that reason. Don't get me wrong. It's, I'm not listening to it a lot. I don't think it's incredible. Do you, th- but do you do think like Blabbermouth it. will quote you like that uh, That Richard Shaw thinks this about Corey Taylor's record and then Corey needs to make a, a thing about <laughs> your thought of his own record? Well, you know what? Richard Shaw never knew anything in Cradle of Phil and it'd be the best thing you ever did for marketing was like, all of a sudden Danny's going to come in like, why are you all over Black? Abermouth. We said something about Corey Taylor. Yeah, exactly. The, you, you were just setting me up to say something about Corey Taylor. So Apparently, then, so I was waiting for you. I can say, well, what does Corey Taylor think about this? You know what I mean? <laughs> well, no, Blabbermouth is his jam, though. Bla- I mean, Gladwire says a lot of things, but I feel like Blabbermouth is like, like he's he's got the in over there. Yeah, he, he must have shares in it or something. I don't know what it is. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but no, there's just a lot of bands. Like, you can name... A million bands in a million genres, just that for some reason they either stay at a cult level or they go through. And I think a lot of it comes down to marketing because it's not like the songs were any better than another band. It's not like the players or the singers were any better than that other band. It's just, and there, there are some bands that never get to that well, level because well, they just. The, I think it's been marketed wrong. Right. It's the, the wrong old, label. I don't know. Think about it. You probably can explain this. It's like the age-old difference between Eric Clapton and Jeff Beck. Jeff Beck hates the fact that he doesn't have the commercial success as Eric Clapton or Jimmy Page, but he's better than both. Can you explain this, Richard? Or do you think he's even better? See, I'm one of those guys who puts them all on an even playing field. Do you think think Eric Clapton's even to Jeff Beck? Probably not from a technical standpoint. Songwriting, even? Uh, he doesn't even play his own songs. This yeah, is, I mean, Change the World is clearly the best Eric Clapton song well, ever. Let, let's hear Richard's Gates. opinion, Ben. Shut it, up. Ex- <laughs> it, it is a great song. I remember learning that on guitar years ago. I think it was one of the greatest songs ever. But, but yeah. All right. Is that the Bruce Dickinson version? I'm not really sure. Not. We can't well, allow you to have coffee anymore. This, Yeah. No more coffee for Ben. <laughs> but I can't remember what we were saying. Exactly, oh, yeah, the, that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> but the, no, the Clapton thing, like, because it was weird. Because I was a diehard Clapton fan until I saw him live. To be honest with you, and I was kind of like, really? oh, he kind of doesn't want to be here. And I'm, I, I hope I just saw him on an off night. You yeah. know what I mean? As horrible as that sounds, because we all get off nights. We're only human. And it just seemed like he really didn't want to be. He played with his, like, back to the audience, like, pretty much the whole show. Wow. And, like, played the same four licks for, like, two hours. And you're, like, there going, okay. Saying that, what have I got here? Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Is it one more? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Nice. That's cool. Is so, 2021 guitar pick. Because our new monitor guy, who was doing the live stream with us and will be touring with us all the time, he tours with Clapton as well. And he was like, these are actually the Clapton picks that got sent out to like all the crew 
for some reason. All the crew <laughs> gets sent them. So if there are basically no picks available, the crew can be available to put them on the bike stands, like oh, any nice. member of the crew. But uh, wow. So I got one. But um, in, in terms of like, you know, you mentioned that he almost seemed like he didn't want to be there. I wonder if it just gets to the point when you're Eric Clapton, like with a literally you know, one of the most famous guitarists of all time. If you just start, that has to do something to your brain where you can't be normal. You can't be who you were 20 years ago because you are now Eric Clapton. You know, does he maybe he just shows up and he's like, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm me. So people should just be grateful that I even came out. <laughs> you know, it's a hard one to, to answer because obviously we're not Eric Clapton exactly. we're right. in his head. And like I said, everyone has off days, which is why I'm never going to really judge him too harshly on that yeah. it was just for time but i was like so excited to see him i remember the first time i saw metallica i was bitterly disappointed <laughs> yeah. and then every time i saw them after that i thought they were like the greatest band i've ever seen so it's like <clears throat> and i know for a fact like obviously uh, you get to a point where i think certain people either believe their own hype or they almost go dead against it right and it's hard to, it's almost a blurry line I think it's like, right. Okay. I'm going to do go up and say, you do the complete opposite of what you expect. Mm -hmm. And then well. people are disappointed or they go right now. I'm going to basically just walk on stage and like, give them almost like a parody, like a caricature of myself. And yeah. then people are disappointed. So it's right. like this weird thing. I think you, you can't be the same musician and the same songwriter you were 20 yeah, years well, ago. That level of like infamy that some of these people have, like you said, yeah. it just can't, our minds can't, there's no way they're still human. So when yeah, you get into exactly. like that that bullshit machine where there's so much um, like the theatrics around who you are, I don't think there's any way for that not to penetrate unless you like kind of said go 100% the opposite way. Like just like, wow, these people are crazy to think you have to have a lot of self-doubt, I think, well, in order to stay somewhat normal. We clapped sure. and I looked it up. It was peripheral neuropathy, which is like a serious like, you know, uh, like nerve thing, which I imagine severely affects his ability to play. If I was Eric Clapton, I would think if you have enough money and like he said he was going to stop touring, why don't you stop while people still have this glowing view of you? Because when I saw him, he was unbelievable. And it's kind of sad to think maybe he does have peripheral neuropathy and then that's been causing him to suck. It's, it's understandable. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a hard one because there's a whole new generation. I mean, I'm in one of those generations who picked up guitar like, arguably because of Clapton, but I wasn't around in the 60s and the 70s or really even the 80s to, to, to watch it, you know? So there's, I think there's this whole thing of going, okay, you have to go on tour to be relevant and mm -hmm. to have the chance to see bands like in the same way that every time like Queen and Adam Lambert go on tour, I'm buying a ticket. But that's so I was good. Like, sick. I was but that's like, good because sick, the thing is, if you don't have an old <laughs> aging, aging Queen trying to sit there and not and play through the queen set whereas adam lambert arguably comes in and he's he's as good in his own way as freddie mercury no one's freddie mercury says he's not freddie mercury but you know brian may and roger taylor wrote those songs a lot of them they were all songwriters mm -hmm. so they're playing their own songs and maybe people consider it a cover band because john deacon's like i'm not going to show up or whatever but he's the bass player so we'll say he's the least important um and uh you know like i want so to add just like you <laughs> if, as long as it is brian may and Roger Taylor and a guy that could sing. Look, I saw him with Paul Rogers and I was just happy to hear Hammer to Fall Live. I was happy to hear the show must go on live and see Brian May shred it. And 
that's a different kind of nostalgia for me than seeing Ozzy Osbourne like sit there going it's with mom and cause and she's, he's reading off a teleprompter as he pours water over his head as he pisses yeah. himself and now he can even pour the water himself so he has someone else do it yeah yeah, but well, part of touring and performing and releasing anything is for the artists too. I mean, that's what's hard is we as musicians have a different perspective. Does we, Ozzy we have know empathy. he's there? Well, who knows? But I mean, you know, obviously you have to satisfy the people that are your fans to an extent, but you also have to do what's good for you as well. And I, we have a different perspective. We, we can empathize with musicians because we understand, like you say, someone has a bad day. They don't do a great performance. You're still a fan, you know, exactly. because you understand that that's what it's really like. What There's if it's a, a bad two decades like Lars Ulrich? <laughs> Well, they're still well, fans, so. But I, I agree with Siobhan. It's like, it's it's almost kind of selfish in a way as well. We do it for us, I think, first. It's like musicians, even if they've been doing it, if they have a true love for it, they will keep doing it. And if there's an audience to see it, then all the better. But I, I'm still one of those people I like to think now. I, I mean, even between Cradle of Filth tours, I was still going and doing cover band stuff in local bars and restaurants and stuff like that, that i was still doing because i just loved playing for me it was a very selfish thing and i love to do it in front of a crowd as well and long may it continue and i think that's, that's why that. that's what makes it interesting for anyone watching if you're not doing it for yourself and enjoying yourself then how's the crowd going to enjoy it like because well, i it feel is, like you're clocking on but yeah, what if I you're think Eric there's Clapton? been times where you've been i've watched bands and you feel like they're yeah. clocking on and mm -hmm. it's terrible that's Again, it, I mean. might, be a, it yeah. might be an off day. It might be an off day where you feel like, oh, I've got to go to work. I've got mm -hmm. to do this show. Then, yeah. uh, and then, and there's then the Vince next day Neal. you're absolutely fine. So, what if it's like a guy like Vince Neil, though? Did you see this footage of him literally walking off stage with girls, girls, girls? Because he's just, oh, guys, I can't sing. It's like, you just figured this out right now. Like, he <laughs> sounded just as bad yeah. 15 songs ago. Like, but isn't once there a again, point? You know, that's, that's one show that, you know... It, I mean, I'm not going to defend Vince Neil as, as a Vince Neil. I'm not going to defend show. Vince Neil as, as a singer, but please do. There, it's 100 percent possible that he was maybe he was practicing and trying to warm up and blew his voice out the day before the show. Like he said, it's been a long time, guys, which means to me that he probably hasn't sang in a long time. He just showed up and it's ate fair, the, that the is donuts. possible. Like I said, I'm not going to defend Vince Neil, but in, in general, like like Richard was saying, people have off nights, so it, it's really hard to say. I guess to make a general statement in in terms of that, you know, of, of someone just <laughs> shitting the bed on stage <laughs> last time or I shitting saw their Ozzie. pants on stage. Last uh, time know. I saw Ozzy, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was at, at a festival and he just walked off stage for like 10 minutes. He like just stopped in the middle of a phrase and let Zach Wilde take like a 10 minute solo. And oh, I, still would, I would that's, that's still go back and see. I would still go back and see him perform again because it was just like there was an energy and you could tell he wanted to be there. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to step aside and let my band do what they're good at. Well, Ozzy knows that because he has like a 90 minute set. But he's on stage for like 60 minutes of it. There's a drum solo. There's a guitar solo. And yeah, yeah. people are going to see Zach Wilds for, for him to play Mr. Crowley. Like that's what I, I mean. I, as an Ozzy fan, I'm going more to see his band at this point than I am to go see Ozzy. Right. And that's kind of cool. That's like oh, you're going to see a show. You're not just going to see this dude sing. Uh, and, and it works out. It's kind of like a win-win because they get to take a break as a vocalist and the energy of the show never dips. There's always mm -hmm. something going on. So no one's ever disappointed that Ozzy's backstage taking a nap in the middle of the set. No, but the principle you're, I mean, it's interesting because like, you know, even on the internet, I mean, I have a very small YouTube channel, but I like to upload some, you know, different covers of guitar solos. 
And someone made this like nasty comment that's like, oh, if you can't do the last solo in November rain, then thumbs down. I'm not interested. And I'm like, dude, this channel is for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm doing this because I want to learn these solos and I chose to do the so, first one. You know what, I'm Siobhan? Like, if you can't mow my you. lawn, then I'm just not going to call you anymore. <laughs> it's, it's just interesting, you know. Totally wrong. Maybe the internet changed it, but what people expect and what I feel like a lot of people have forgotten about the purpose of music in a lot of ways and performance. Dance, and monkey, artists. dance. Do what yeah. I say, because I'm a keyboard warrior. There's a lot of that that comes back. For one thing that uh, has annoyed me for, for for a long time, and I'm sure it does for a lot of musicians, is the sheer number of bands miming. And it, and I think that's a thing as well. It's a pressure. It's like it, weirdly enough, it's this weird pressure that happens from music fans. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, you see, you see it at cradle shows. People go, "Okay, we're going to film this song." Like you see. There's certain songs in the set, Siobhan, I don't know if you get this with Star Set, but there's certain songs in the set where it's like, okay, everyone's phoned out. For some reason, yeah. that's the one that everyone wants to film and call their buddy to say, guess where I am? You know what I mean? You know, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I can tell you about Curly Bush. You know, um, uh, so, and this is, I think this is the problem that happens with a lot of bands that I've seen where I'm going, they... But they were they were great, and in a lot of people's opinion, they are great. But I've seen them mime more and more over the years because of YouTube and like the fans are going on going. I'm going to check out what this band's like live by watching this really horrible phone recording pressed right up against the speaker. Oh, they dropped a note. I'm not going to see them because they're awful. I'm going to tell the internet that this is a really awful band because the singer dropped one note in a 90 minute show, and they're basing their entire opinion. So. I think in a weird way, it's causing a lot of bands that didn't want to mime to mime. And it's not because they can't do it. It's because they're terrified that if they do drop that one note in their most famous song in in the chorus, that's it. Everyone's going to judge them incredibly forever. You hand it it to the crowd. You just take it away from your your mouth. But I will tell you that one of the reasons we continue to work with you on Lost Symphony because I didn't really know how good of a player you were when we kind of threw you um, premeditated destruction which if people <laughs> listen to chapter one that song has like I think it's in 13.8 and we said holy fucking shit um, you know this part is ridiculous and nobody absolutely nobody wanted to play on it so I'm like hey there's this British guy let's see if we can fucking get this clown to play this crazy part and he sent it back and I was like oh lord this is insane. And it gets more and more insane. And I looked at Corey. I'm like, he fucking comped this. This little fucking noob, newbie comped this shit. And then he sends us the GoPro footage of him playing it. And I, I, so I thought maybe he was miming. And then I saw the footage and I'm like, oh no, this guy's that good. And as you could see from the 8,645 comments on our new song, Take Another Piece, coming out on uh, chapter three, um, uh, people seem to think you're pretty good, Richard. Thank you. I I know it sounds weird, but I don't really pay attention to that stuff. I think I used to. I read every when comment. I, when, I, when I first joined Cradle of Filth, it was almost like this, okay, what do people think so I can improve mm. upon what I do? And then <laughs> yeah. all that happened was it just caused a lot of self-doubt. Yeah. Like, <laughs> everything yeah. I do is going to be horrendous What's in up the with eyes his of beard? some fans. And so, yeah. This guy's not metal enough. That's the number one thing I always hear. This guy's not metal enough because I do more than just like 
headbang and play power chords. You yeah. buy so Dave like, Matthews band records. And I buy Dave Matthews band records. <laughs> That's not, not metal at all. It's Just, not metal so at all. You know, it's, it's literally but, but, not metal. But I, I find that the craziest thing ever when I answer back with, and. That's, you're not metal. Right. That's not the be-all and end-all of my yeah. life. I'm really, really sorry about it. I've disappointed you by being not being metal enough by your standards. Well, I'm sorry. Do you live in your mom's? <laughs> and now I just carry on with my life. And Let me ask you a comments. few questions. Let's do the metal, let's do the metal uh, questionnaire. Do you live in your mom's basement? No. We do don't you have, have basements at least... in the UK. That's why. <laughs> okay, well, starting there, already failed. Attic? Do you have at least four or five Iron Maiden posters on your wall, but only taped without frames? I did, yeah. Now? Now, no. Do you only wear black? Pretty much, actually. Okay, that's good. That's that's <laughs> metal. One third that's metal. metal. I, I well, am you're, metal. I'm so like you're thirty-three percent. You're thirty-three percent yeah. metal. So okay. like, I so people know that if they actually ask what the equation is, you're you're a one to three ratio metal. Yeah, maybe I should ask for metal elitist that. It's like, okay, how can I be more metal? Show me, teach me. You know? Wear a dead skin <laughs> mask try. on stage. Yeah, so, like, what is metal? Slayer I find said that so. such a weird thing. You don't see, like, pop musicians going, you're not popping. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not funk enough. And going you're back not to classical said, enough. It doesn't I matter. Feel like you're I don't know, does that happen? Does that people wake up? You're no, not in, classical in, enough because you play in a rock band. Ben. Oh, you know. for sure. I think that the judgment definitely exists. And I was going to say, I feel really? bad for guitar players wow. in the rock scene because, you know, the way you guys get judged and watched by the audience is like, I feel lucky to be a violinist in the rock and metal world because there's almost no standard for comparison, <laughs> you know? So I feel most people are very complimentary, but I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, classical players can be very they don't, I don't think they're as verbal with their judgments, but there's, you know, I think there's definitely a stigma of, you know, doing anything to classical music that makes it not classical. You know, yeah. so it, it'll be interesting to hear, you know, when chapter three comes out, like some right. of the classical stuff we did, like what classical, I think that, you know, the mindset's changing because people realize you can't just be that rigid or else you'll have no career. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I hope there's that controversy. Like I would I, love for like someone, I, I just, that'd be the, my favorite comment. Like someone that had to watch through the whole eight, whatever, 10 minute long piece that we have on there and then just be like this wasn't classical enough i'm like you could, thanks for the view dude I'm like yeah <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> this is the thing people everyone's got their own opinions of what it, just music in general like what what counts as good in in music and and it's what makes music brilliant at the same time it's like we'll have this endless debate about bands and musicians and songs and like in the same way you have a fandom where you find someone who you go oh my god listen to the bridge in this song oh my god that something about that that resonates with you and in the same way you can have bands and styles of music that you really rub you up the wrong way and i think both extremes are really cool to be honest with you i just think it shows people a passion i think that's what it is if the, if you release something and people go eh, it's okay I think I'd be more annoyed than people who are like, that's not classical enough. That You're not metal enough. You're not. Yeah. It's like, well, at least you're passionate. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I always say that regardless, like, you know, with any form of art, whether uh, as long as it makes you feel a certain way, you know what I mean? Like you go and see a movie like Requiem for a Dream. I don't leave happy. I left no. completely depressed, <laughs> ready to like, 
you Which know, is exactly what happens with Lost Symphony. Pills. You're going to leave depressed and bummed out. <laughs> yeah. Disappointed. But the point is, is that I'm glad that hurt. it made me feel a certain way versus like, oh, I forgot that like a month later. Like how many times? Like I went to In-N-Out Burger with Cindy, my, uh, my, uh, well, we passed by an In-N-Out Burger, thank God, um, <laughs> with Cindy, uh, my fiance, and she's like, I don't know if I've ever had that. I'm like, no, we definitely went to In-N-Out Burger last time we we're in California. And she just didn't remember because it was that unimportant that she didn't even remember that she had gone there. Whereas all of my friends, oh, well, not all of my friends, but a bunch of my friends will go to like California and we don't have In-N-Out Burger around here. And they're like, dude, look, we got In-N-Out Burger. And it's like, I yeah. don't even, it's so It's got to make an impression. It didn't even make an impression. Exactly. No, exactly. It's interesting, like going, it, even going back to classical music though, like classical musicians now are, you know, like are very judgmental in a lot of ways, but some of the greatest moments in classical music history were when there were riots, like when Stravinsky premiered the Rite of Spring. You know, it's like people were like so angry and they left. They're like, this is not music. This is insane. And it like wasn't until later. Really? Now it's like, Can yeah. you explain this to us? Is this like Rumpspringer? It, it was just, I mean, the the sounds that he made, it was so like different from anything that people had heard that they were just like, you know, it was a very, everyone would go to this one venue to see all the new classical premieres. And it's like, people were just totally mortified. They were like, this is terrible. There were riots. They would leave. I That's mean, metal. Yeah. Exactly. And well, so, that, so why, that was a metal of the time. It really Franz was. Controversial. Yeah. Like Franz Liszt, Nic Niccolo Paganini, they, you know, they say that he sold his soul to the devil to play as fast as he did, which is, the you know, the basis for the movie Crossroads. But it's like, you know, you listen to Franz Liszt and, and, and it's some of the craziest piano work and they call it progressive. And that's because nobody wanted to call it music even at the time. Because they're just like, right. this is so fucking different. And in fact, I'm doing a whole thing with about Les Paul right now. And Gibson thought that his guitar design was so radical. They didn't want to call it a Gibson. So they said, what should we call it? And he said, a Les Paul. And they said, would you put that in writing? And now it's like synonymous with guitar. Mm. yeah exactly exactly yeah. so you got to stir stuff up make exactly. a difference i remember that i i was taught by uh a guy called bill bruford who i don't know if you guys know bill bruford not, is it you, are you sure it's not beauford it's not it's, it's not you wouldn't want to call him by the wrong name man because that's no, embarrassing exa exactly exactly who would do that take it from me um, <laughs> but uh bill bruford was uh the drummer in like yes genesis and king crimson all shitty bit. bands obviously that yeah. had no good drums like at all three of the big four 70s uk wait i thought that was know? anthrax megadeth and <laughs> the original big four benny keep up man keep <laughs> up. <laughs> but um no he was one of my tutors at uh the academy of contemporary music where i studied and i remember he came out with something but i never even thought of he says um there's no such thing as original music anymore and there hasn't been for hundreds of years i was like how did you work that out like and, and when he explained it and it's stuck with me ever since he says if it was a hundred percent original music you would not recognize it as music if it was that original and that always stuck with me it's like you can always trace it back to something because if mm. it was a hundred percent original you'd be like yeah going I, I have are no you like the 23 and me of music like, do you put it in and it comes back 10% Stravinsky, 8% Metallica, 15% Foreigner? I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's kind of how it works. You know, pretty there much. Is, well, it's yeah. all built on influence you've had in your musical experiences, right? I mean, yeah, I think originality now is more how you combine your influences, you know, mm, it, exactly. which is one, one of the things that always pops up on the show is, you know, the broader your spectrum of influences, the more original you can be. 
so to speak, mm-hmm. because you can yeah. pull from all these different areas. Whereas if you have a very narrow um, field of focus, you're going to sound less original because everything's going to be, oh, that's very familiar. I've heard that, you know, yeah. so you can have this original sound, but it's got to, it's got to be a, you know, big mix of all these other sounds. One of my favorite Richard quotes is when he explains why he likes extreme. And then he says, it's kind of like a musical education of all my favorite bands synthesized mm-hmm. into one band. And I actually said that to Paul Geary. Um, and we said it to Nuno, who, by the way, he oh, saw that you, clip. You told Paul and Nuno what I said about yeah, that. Yeah, well, I, well, first oh, off, just so you know, um, uh, let me let me read oh. you. I, I'm going to find it right now because Nuno actually, I'm going to I'm going to search my email for Nuno because I sent him the clip of us saying, you know, why is Nuno so awesome? And by the way, everyone that that I know that knows Nuno is so annoyed with me for even talking about this right now. But hold on, let me find the clip. He um, had said something to the extent of. Don't worry, we have time. There's yeah. three, three minutes left. Just give us a pair I'm going to find this for you because this is hilarious. <laughs> All right. So I will say, um, as the episode comes to an end, we'll end with Nuno's quote from Ben. But Richard, obviously, thank you for coming back and hanging out with us in this first hour here. We're going we're gonna to get into the second hour and um, we can dive a little deeper. Definitely want to dive into Take Another Piece and, and how, you know, how that went, as well as some other work you've done with us on Lost Symphony that will be out very very soon uh after this episode comes out so we're excited to get that out there um cradle of filth be sure to is the live stream still available can you can people watch that the recording unfortunately not not now it was only up for about Uh, two weeks something like that but there is another one being planned great so stay tuned for that and obviously check out the the festivals that are coming up and get, get your tickets for that live music coming back very exciting and this ben, is perfect for this yeah. morning. So I sent from episode 28 uh, uh, the, the clip we, we spoke about extreme to Nuno um, on March 15th. Nuno responds, who needs coffee when you got that in the morning? Ellipsis. Nice ego boost. Space. Actually, it's uncomfortable watching that. Ellipsis. People really believe those things about me? Ellipsis. No. For real? Space. Blows my mind. Space. And makes me tear up. Space. It's just unfathomable to me that people feel that when listening to me. Space. No bullshit. Space. It's crazy. And as confident as I may seem, ellipsis. It's humbling and touching. Space. Thanks for sharing. Means a lot to an old man. Space. And. That was a journey. Wow. wow. That's the way he speaks. He speaks in like sonnets. You should have read it like a like an old old timey telegram. Like yeah, yeah I still, there's still time. Yeah. <laughs> no, that is there is that's the time. end of this episode. <laughs> We're cutting you, you off. We ben. love you. <laughs> so thank you, Richard. Yeah, we'll be back for part two. So stay tuned. And you've been 2020. Thank you as always for checking out this episode of 2020. Please visit 2020-d.com. Like and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. This week's throwback clip of the week, we're going all the way back to episode three, also with Richard Shaw, his first appearance, with a legendary Cradle of Filth story. Check it out. I have a story that happened in Israel, weirdly enough, uh, and that was the time we had an impromptu drum solo, which never happened in Cradle of Filth, <laughs> uh, because a certain member of the band who will remain, remain nameless um, shit themselves on stage and um, that was four songs in. They had to wait until the encore, which was another ten songs later before oh they could God. get off stage. I'm going to jump. 
<laughs> we know, at least we know it's not the drummer. So that it's not the drummer. And it wasn't you. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now.